All right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. That was more from Jeff Healy Band, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. We'll listen to a few more of his songs later on. Standing by to join us. Oh, I love this book. Danielle Krissa, who uh, wrote this book, Your Inner Critic is a Big Jerk, and Other Truths About Being Creative. Good morning. Good morning. This book is so hilarious and speaks to me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> so how did you lead up to this book? Because I know you've done other things. Mm-hmm. Well, this one was sort of the result of my first book, which is called Creative Block. And in that book, I interviewed 50 uh, working artists from around the world about how they deal with blocks and self-doubt and criticism. And then when I was touring for that book, the really interesting part was when I was done talking, and <laughs> I would get down and talk to everybody that was, had come, and I just heard Me Too story after Me Too story and started to realize, like, wow, we are so not alone no. <clears throat> Excuse me, in this whole inner critic thing that everybody feels like this. And I kind of started keeping notes, and it ended up being about 10 buckets that I could put things into, which ended up being the 10 chapters. I love it. I, it's a really easy read, too, because of the way you organize it, and I love the visuals. And I mean, can you talk about some of these buckets that we tell ourselves, these lies we tell ourselves? Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, I have told myself these lies for years and years, and then you realize, like, wow, everybody does it. So um, excuses mm-hmm. is a huge one. Everybody throws out excuses why they can't be creative. Um, people label themselves all the time and they decide, oh, you know, I'm just a mom or I'm an art school dropout or I'm self-taught, so I can't do it. And so there's just these things that come up over and over. Um, people never share their work. They, they might make it, but they get too scared to share. So there was all these things that I thought were completely <laughs> only me. Right. And then you realize that everybody feels like that. Oh, yes. I remember... Um deciding that one day of the week, one evening, I would go take a writing class. And I was talking to my daughter at the time. She was young, and she's like, go take that class, Mommy. And then that class led to another class and another class. It was screenwriting. And it, it's great what that does to you to be around other creatives. Yeah, that's the thing is you get out of your house, and then you start, even if you're nervous to get there, you realize that everybody else in the class probably feels like that too, and then it leads to the next and leads to the next. And before you know it, You're a writer or an artist or a musician or whatever it is that you want it to be. But still, sometimes the things I wrote sat on my desk because I didn't think they were good enough. Yeah. Right? No, I know. And you know what? That's okay. They can come. The thing is, you're never going to sit down, first crack, and write the masterpiece or Mm -hmm. paint the masterpiece or whatever. And so there needs to be those experiments and those things that you do that maybe you don't share with everybody right away, but... Um, I've been telling people, if you can, you know, sharing is tricky right now with social media because you feel like you're supposed to Instagram everything and post everything and show everything, and you don't have to. Right. Um, if you can find one person that you can trust, even if they're on the other side of the planet, but you know them through social or you know them through something else, that you can just bounce ideas off of, like, that's enough sharing. You don't yes. feel like you have to put it out to the entire world every time you have a thought. Right. I think that's what stops a lot of people because it's, it is, it, social media can get really intimidating that way. But yeah, just one person that you can be an artist with and, and you'll be on your way. Yes, yeah, someone who's on your side, who's, on, who's, yeah. who's rooting you on, who could be a mentor, 
Um, I've got some people like that, and I they're treasures because it's hard to come by. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, too. Oh, that chime meant I'm supposed to talk to you. Um, the um, the thing is, those people don't all have to tell you that you're great all the time either. You know, I have a woman that I that's an artist friend of mine that she gives me the best feedback, and I don't call it criticism. I call it feedback because she doesn't tell me it's perfect. She you know gives me suggestions and guides me and. She does it in such a kind way, though, that as soon as I'm done talking to her, I cannot wait to get back into the studio and keep going. Oh, I love And it. those are the people you need to find. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, and I think you have to tune into, like you say in the book, the issues that keep you from being creative, you know, whether you make up excuses like, well, it's too messy where I want to work, <laughs> or it's too this, or it's too that, or, you know. Yeah, it was funny. I put it out to my um, Facebook and Instagram community just to see what their excuses were, because... I thought I was the only one clever enough to blame sunlight, you know, being too bright or too dark. Or, and it was crazy, the excuses that came back. And cats, cats lying on supplies was a big one. That came back like 40 times. So oh, is that funny? Move your cat, people. Move your cat to the side. You know, I actually was working on my dissertation in Boston years ago, and it would be 2 a.m., and I'd have a cat on my lap and a cat on the desk. And, you know, they were good companions, so I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> there you go. See, make the cats work for you. Exactly. That'll be my next book. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> make the cats work for you. So um, <laughs> let's talk about, oh, this is a good one. Uh, you have a chapter, A Green Eye is a Green Light. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the art blog that I write every day that I've been writing for eight years is called The Jealous Curator. Mm-hmm. And because when I first started, that's, I was jealous. I was jealous of everybody else that was making great work and everybody that was successful, and I felt like I wasn't successful. And um, I flipped that around by starting that blog. And so this chapter is all about making jealousy into fuel instead of letting it stop you. Because um, when you keep jealousy inside, mm-hmm. it just becomes like a toxic poison. But the minute that you can sort of flip it around and take that jealousy and say it out loud in a positive way, you can turn it into admiration and suddenly it becomes your fuel. So look at those people that you're, you know, quote unquote jealous of yes. and see what it is they're doing and do that, you know, and yeah. even reach out to them because half the time they might be jealous of you or, you know, they might not have it as together as you think they do. And and as soon as you sort of get past that toxic part, you can really turn the whole thing around and, and make it work for you. And sometimes you can reach out to those people that you're, let's say, jealous of, and they might give you advice for doing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And people are so generous. You know, when you stay inside your head, you assume that, oh, they would never want to talk to me. And, and your inner mm-hmm. critic is like, yeah. Don't call anybody. Just stay in here with me in the dark. But as soon as you start reaching out to people, um, it's amazing. And, and then that leads right into the sharing thing. You know, suddenly you've got this tribe. Suddenly you've got this trusted crew around you. And, um, you know, your inner critic gets quieter and quieter and loses some of its power. Yes. And I love mm-hmm. how you point out that sometimes that um, inner critic is somebody from your past, like it's good to get to the root, be an investigator of where that comes from? Yeah, yeah, and because a lot of people just think, oh, it's just this voice, tell, you know, but, but where did that come from? Because it came from somewhere external that a seed got planted. Mm-hmm. So was it a teacher, you know, that said something, even in third grade, that you were a terrible drawer and it planted that seed of doubt in your head or you know, was it a parent that said a creative path wasn't responsible? Like, they might have meant it lovingly, right. but 
now you've got that seed of doubt that creativity is frivolous, you know, and that is what gives, you know, life to your inner critic is a little seed. So if you can sort of think back, trace it back, you start to realize like, oh, that's not part of me. That's these little seeds. And you know what? I'm going to choose to ignore that and move forward in my own path. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think it's important to just keep going and to keep surrounding yourselves with things that are creative and drive you and, you know. Yeah, that's what I found in Creative Block when I interviewed all of those artists. You know, they're all working artists, but they're also all human. So clearly they must get blocked, right? right? And I just said, how do you keep going? And they said, we, I just show up every day. Sometimes the ideas don't come. Sometimes I make junk that ends up in the garbage can. But I show up again the next day and the day after that and the day after that. And what I did was just quit. Yeah. And so, of course, you can't make anything if you quit. <laughs> and so the key is, even after those bad days, you pick up the pencil again the next day. Right. I agree. Yeah. How did you mm-hmm. find your way into um, visual arts? Um, well, I was the art kid growing up, and so naturally went to art school and then <laughs> did not fit in at art school at all. <laughs> and it was a bit of a shocker because this is, that had been my identity all growing up. And then um, I had a terrible critique, critique um, six weeks before I graduated as a painting major in front of my entire class. My painting prof said, and I quote, you should never paint again. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, awful. and it, there, that was when the seed was planted, because before that, I never had an inner critic. I thought I was amazing, but that seed got planted, and then after that, every time I tried to paint, I just heard that voice I heard, you know, and oh. eventually his voice just turned into my inner critic, and I went into design instead. I hid out in design for 15 years before I started making again, and really, it was starting my blog and exploring all of this and kind of facing my demons that I pushed through it all. That's fantastic, though, that you were able to push through it all. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank right. goodness. I'm so happy. I'm actually making art again, and I'm surrounded by artists, and I'm, I have the life that I want now that I never thought was possible. So everybody can do it. If I can do it, everybody can do it. And that's a great story because we all, a lot of people have had stories of people ripping them to shreds, you know, and then they oh, yeah. take that with you forever. Yeah, and that was the other totally narcissistic thing, was that I thought I was the only one that that had ever happened to. (laughs) And then by doing all these books and traveling and talking to people, the stories you hear, like some of them are identical. Mm -hmm. Um, One woman told me that her painting prof, after they did their crit, would take their paintings off the wall and throw them in a a pile on the floor and yell, bonfire. (gasps) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I know, but it's like, how is that supposed to push you forward? Like, my gosh. And so I, and it almost becomes comical after you hear enough of these stories. And when it's out of your head and you tell people about these stories, because I didn't tell anyone for years, I was so ashamed. When you hear other people have these stories, it suddenly becomes almost funny. And you realize that you're all in this club together. And it's just like, oh, forget you, critics and inner critics. Let's just go make stuff. You know, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, if, if that person spoke to their child like that, how detrimental. No kidding. It's, it's awful. I know. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm, I know. I know. It makes me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> partly where this book came from, you know, it's like enough is enough. And I, I said to my editor, if I can make a difference to one person with this book, you know, so that they don't go through a 15-year hiatus like I did, then this book is a success. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to help at least one person. No, this is a gift. And you know what? It kind of reminded me, I had a writing teacher in high school, and I was really 
insecure and just not sure of myself in a lot of ways. And she, she would say, just um, like she did this exercise, uh, swimming in a glass of water. Pretend you're in this glass of water. How do you feel? What do things look like? And we all looked at her like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? And she says, there's no wrong answer. Whatever you want to write. And she would do these kind of exercises, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, and it was very comforting to know I can't fail. Yeah, you know? I love that. And those are the teachers that you just, you know, everyone has a teacher that said something they shouldn't have, and everybody has a teacher that said exactly the right thing. And it's like you've got to focus on the one that said exactly the right thing and remember that. Yes. Do you uh, also give lectures or uh, speak at different events? I do, yeah. I love, well, can you tell? I love I love this. <laughs> Especially no, this about is... this. I actually just did a TEDx talk oh. um, a couple of weeks ago, which was so scary, but so fantastic. And so, yeah, I, I talk all over the place. Good. And I'm actually coming to L.A. Um, in, the, in February to do some talks. Well, I would love to meet you in person. Me too. So where can people find out more about you if they look for The Jealous Curator? Yeah, thejealouscurator.com is my site, and there's links to everything there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, also under The Jealous Curator, and I have an art podcast that I do every Saturday called Art for Your Ear on iTunes, where I interview artists about their lives, and it's pretty funny. Oh, I love it. I, you know, reading this book, I know we have to wrap up. I was thinking, I first started my education in Montessori, and I was thinking how I feel like I'm never too old to sit down and make things, crafts. And so I think people listening should know this is a great book to just do creative things at any age. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a whole bunch of activities in it that are just really fun and free. And a lot of them are from childhood Mm -hmm. because when we were kids, you know, none of us thought creativity was frivolous. We just glued macaroni and glitter onto paper and thought it was amazing. So why can't we do that at 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever? Exactly. Well, yeah. I want to thank you. We have to wrap up, Danielle. It was great chatting with you. And again, I love your book. Your inner critic is a big jerk. <laughs> love <laughs> thank the title. you so much. I'll call uh, you when I'm in L.A. Sounds good. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That was Danielle Krissa calling in to talk about uh, this fantastic book. It's all on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and then I have some more guests coming up. So stand by. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule.